What's going on? Brandon here once again with you, coming at you with the second episode of your Windy City Reports coverage with the Chicago Bears over here at Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for coming in again, not just on this episode, but all of them. But before I get into it, I got to start right now. This is fresh. Right now, the Chicago Bears have agreed to Yannick Ngakwe one year, $10.5 million deal as he links back up with his former coaches, Matt Eberflus, Alan Williams, from his time in Indianapolis. And man, am I excited. Let's go, baby. Let's go. This is fresh. This is a raw reaction right now. Quite literally 45 seconds before I hit the record button on this episode, this news dropped. I picked up my phone and it dropped. Man, let's go. This was the one thing I was going to touch on in this episode as well that we're still missing. I was going to touch on camp, you know, training camp just started. First week down, got some pads in. Well, not first week down, but halfway through the first week. Um, pads are on. And that was going to be a lot of the discussions, some highs and lows, what we've learned, what we've seen, and what we have to look forward to, you know. And one of the things that I was going to say was going to be the lows, I guess, was just the fact that we haven't signed anybody and addressed that edge rusher role. But fuck yeah, baby, that is no longer the case. Yannick Ngakwe is now a Chicago Bear for one year prove it deal. Last time we had a deal like this, it was Robert Quinn and he set the franchise fucking record in sacks, man. I am just grinning right now with a fat smile on my face. I cannot contain my excitement. It just keeps growing for this season. But let me contain myself. Like I said, welcome in. Thanks again for joining me, guys. And not only me today, but just all the episodes. Trevor and the boys have been cranking episodes out lately. Shout out to them, man. They've been doing them thing, their thing. And the podcast, is, it's been growing, man. And it's been good to see we're going to keep at it. And it's going to be better. And we're just going to keep growing, you know. Um, but getting into it, like I said, halfway through the first week of um, training camp with pads on, at least. And a lot to touch on. A lot to touch on. Some highs, some really good highs. I feel like there's more highs than lows, which is always good. And it's especially with everything that's going into this, this season with the Chicago Bears. But but starting with some highs, man, is Justin Fields' development, at least for now, looking good. It is on par with what we've seen from this blueprint of giving a young, raw quarterback a number one receiver and building around him, whether it's Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, and soon to be Justin Fields and DJ Moore. We're starting to see it. Their chemistry is probably right there with the Fields' development as the biggest high so far. It's it's so far ahead of schedule. It's crazy. Nobody would have expected DJ Moore and Justin Fields to be on the same page that they are right now, but they are, and that's the reality of it, and I could not be more excited. And I just, I just hope we keep seeing this connection flourish throughout the rest of training camps, throughout the start of preseason, and into the start of the regular season, and throughout the whole regular season. Very ideal, I know. But, like I said, very, very good. And Tyler Scott, he's been looking very good as well. He's probably been the most impressive rookie, which I'll touch on as well. Cole Komet, we'll get into his contract, but some other highs... Um, the cornerback battle as well, which we'll sort of dive into, is the, not so much the CB1, but the CB2 playing alongside the other side of Jalen Johnson. Um, originally, coming out of the draft, I was sold on Tyreek Stevenson, and coming into OTAs and minicamps, and even now training camp, 
I've, I've still been sold on him as being that cornerback number two. Honestly, I feel like all that hype set him up for failure because now, I mean, maybe not for failure, but the expectations are just so high for him now already, you know, and so far throughout camp, the only time you've heard his name is when he's been getting burned by DJ Moore or getting beaten coverage and or by dj moore or darnell mooney who darnell mooney is back darnell metcalf i'm sorry is back and he really was ready to roll and we're seeing it so far i know it's kind of hard to really gauge it just a few days in but surface level it's it's looking really really good another one of the highs um then the defense as well the defense is really starting to look good individually as well tremaine edmonds is really starting to step step it step out as the leader of this defense and take take on that role with full confidence, full responsibility, full ownership, and I'm loving it because that's exactly what he said he was going to do and what he was brought in here to do. I haven't heard much of TJ Edwards. I'm not sure if he's not practicing or what it might be, but Kyler Gordon has been making some plays. Uh, if you haven't already, go watch his Spider-Man celebration. I'm loving it. He's really taking that on and running with it. It's giving him a character. It's giving him a role that he can really just be himself and flourish in on and off the field. And we're seeing it so far. And I really hope it just translates. And it goes back to what I was saying before. He's in a role now in that corner or that nickel corner position to where, yes, is he probably not the happiest about it because he wants to be on the outside corner, but he's just so versatile and it simplifies the game down for him so that way he can just focus on one area and really leverage his strengths in that one area and he's doing that and that'll lead to him progressing more toward being one of those outside corners one day you know um or jaquan brisker ever since the pads have come on he's been flying all over the back of the secondary just making plays and i think he's really going to be one of the foundational pieces for this Bears defense for years to come and I'm so excited to see him and Eddie Jackson play a full season side by side with each other and even Javon Dexter um, senior which we'll get into another run of the rookies he's been a standout as well so far which is good and but to get in some of the lows um, the offense did start out really good in the first day but ever since then as far as just the situational drills and the 11-on-11 drills, the two-minute drills, the offense has kind of been stuttering. Um, it's lacking a little bit of energy, as Justin Fields has been saying. And it's good to see him continue to step into this leadership role. You know, he's calling his offense out, saying and saying his his guys on the offensive side of the ball need to match the energy of of the defensive side because the story the story coming out of camp the last couple of days is that the Bears defense has sort of been running away with it. Um, when it comes to individual drills or just individual plays here and there, the offense is shining. The offensive players are shining. Chase Claypool apparently has also been a bright spot so far this week, which is really good to see. Really, really good to see. So tune in to episode one to get my thoughts on him and um, what I had to say about that. But that's been good as well. DJ Moore, like I've already touched on, his chemistry with Fields has been insane, and he continues to impress. His route running is just breathtaking go look up the videos you'll see what i'm talking about the deep balls that tyler scott from pj walker and justin fields he's showing off his explosive ability and he's he's look, look he might be taking away reps from darnell mooney and chase claypool which is not a bad thing this just goes to show all the weapons that we've sort of put at justin fields disposal um but <clears throat> excuse me 
yeah, the offense has just been inconsistent, you know? Like I said, there's been the really big plays and the really good bright spots, but a lot of it's just been individual drills or individual plays, you know? And, I mean, like I said, another one of the lows I had before this was that there's been no signing on the defensive line and the edge rusher spot, but seconds, minutes before I came on, Yannick Ngakwe announced once again the third or fourth time I'm announcing it in the first nine minutes. But man, am I fucking excited, bro. I cannot wait, dude. Um, but yeah, the, the offense is just, it's halting, coming to a halt on the two-minute drills. And that's where you really, in my opinion, that's where I want to see the offense do the best. Because that's high-pressure situations, moments where Justin Fields is developmental skills and his ability to really throw the ball in the pocket and read the defense and make decisions before it's too late is going to be tested, you know. And... He was up there, I think, tied with Russell Wilson as the most sacked quarterback last season. But a lot of it was, a lot of it was due to him just holding on to the ball too long. It really was. Um, he was running for his life at a lot of time, and I will say that. But a lot of it also, I will admit, was just from him holding the ball too much and either being too scared to let go of it or not being able to comprehend what the defense was putting at him, but throwing at him. I don't know, you know, but. I can only criticize too much, you know. I'm not there on the field, in the pads, behind the visor, or behind the face mask, making those plays and those decisions, trying to read that defense with 300-plus-pound behemoth giant men coming at you trying to rip your head off, you know. But moving on, besides training camp, or news outside of training camp, the biggest news next to Ngakwe has been Cole Komet. Our tight end out of Notre Dame, one of my fan favorites, um, one of my personal favorites on the Bears team, and the one guy that I did say I feel like will be the key to unlocking the full potential of this Bears offense going into this season and years forward. Um, got locked up to a four-year deal, $50 million, making him one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. But, you know, I feel like, one, not only is it justified, um, two, it, it's in line with the rest of the market and other tight ends around him as far as what they're getting paid. And three, man, not only does it solidify him as a foundational piece on this offense and a leader in this locker room, it shows that we believe in him. And we saw what he did last year getting... Uh, I'm having a brain fart. I think it was, what, six, seven, eight touchdowns last year. Um, he was the fourth highest rated tight end in the entire National Football League. Um, by PFF, you know, and you know, looking at his contract, he's going to be making about twelve and a half million um, annually, and he, I believe, it was twenty million guaranteed, which, as far as the average salary goes, that ranks him in. Let's see, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and top ten, eleven. So he's tenth and eleventh as far as tight end paid, and that's that's good. Um, I remember Trevor, they were on there slouching it a little bit, saying that, oh, Cole Komet's not the best. They don't know that guy, which is understandable. I understand. They don't watch every single Bears game like, like I do. They haven't watched him throughout Notre Dame like I have. But he's very similar to Evan, uh, not Evan Ingram. That's who I was going to compare his contract to. But it's very similar to a George Kittle as far as he can do everything. To the same level and the same quality as George Kittle? No, not yet, at least, hopefully. I'm not saying that, but... As far as what he does for you, he's going to block. He's going to run block. He's going to pass block. He's going to ca make catches. He's athletic. He's strong. He's going to do whatever's asked for him. He's a nitty-gritty, stereotypical tight end, but he's a little bit better of a receiver 
and more athletic than most, you know? And that's how George Kittle is in a way. George Kittle is a little bit more of a yak type of tight end, a little bit better in the yak category. But everything else that Kittle flourishes at is what Komet flourishes at as well, just not at the same level, you know? Which one's the top two, top three tight end, one you could say is a top ten tight end. But you mean, I mean, his, he's getting the same amount per year as Hunter Henry. I would definitely take Cole Komet over Hunter Henry at this point of his career. He's making $2 million more than Zach Ertz. Same with him. He's making, you know, when Taysom Hill, Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry's all making $10, $12 million, and that's the market. Cole Komet's better than all three of them at this point in their careers, in my opinion. And he's also 24, Cole Komet is. All those guys are 30 or more, or Hunter Henry's 29. Um, Dawson Knox is making 13 a year. David Njoku's making 13 a year. Dawson Knox is just too streaky. He's not a tight end, in my opinion. He's more of a glorified um, tight end as far as like a receiver. Um, I would take Cole Komet over Njoku and Dawson Knox and even Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram just got his extension as well at $13.75 million a year. So that's the market. And the fact that we got Cole Komet for a million less, you know, and he's getting 12.5 a year, $20 million guaranteed. We solidify him for four years, the prime of his career, until he's 28, 29. And it's, I would say there's a 95% chance we retain him based off how, how well we do over the next five years. But, you know, overall, it's a great deal. I really I really am happy with it. Ryan Pohl strikes a den. He's just a genius. He's a mastermind. One of, if not the best general manager. Well, I can't, I'm not going to say the best general manager yet because we won't really know until everything sort of pans out three to four years from now. But just... As far as the moves that this man has made and the draft picks that this man has made and how they've panned out so far, or just if you calculate it and break it down to does this make the most sense in the long run or right now, all the boxes check. And whether it was that draft haul we got for the number one pick or all the draft picks that we've sort of stacked up on going forward, you know, trading Khalil Mack, trading Robert Quinn, trading Roquan Smith. Or it's the draft picks that we have made in Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, you know. It just goes to show Ryan Poles is a genius, and I could not be happier that he's at the helm. And he he really did the right thing securing Cole Komet. And like I said, I think it's a good contract. I feel like it's a relatively team-friendly contract. You know, it was still sitting at $28 million. We were before the Gokwe deal, sitting at $28 million, which is still the most out of every team in the rest of the league. So... Like I just said, one, I feel like he is the key to unlocking the true potential of this offense. Two, he's one of my favorite players. Three, he's probably, if not is, the biggest leader on the offensive side of the ball next to Justin Fields. So all the boxes check. All around, it's a win-win for me, and I, I couldn't be happier, especially being a Notre Dame fan. Um, then just going into the rookies as well, like I said, uh, we were going to dive into the rookies. I've already touched on a couple of them. Tyler Scott's been, like I said, probably the best rookie in camp so far. And just continues to impress. Continued, continues to make big plays down the field. Um, but even Darnell Wright. Um, you know, he's he's having his ebbs and flows, as you would expect. But it's, at the same time, it's hard to really judge too much off of just two days of pads. And especially just linemen play in general in that period of time. You know, he's having his welcome to the NFL, as you will, moments. But you can really tell his athleticism and his, his strength and his, his willingness to learn and get better. And just his love for the game is there. It's evident. And 
I'm sure if you haven't already, the report came out that um, the offseason program, the summer program that Darnell Wright was on after the Bears drafted him was actually the conditioning program for the wide receivers. And he was following that all summer, all offseason. He lost, I think, like 8 to 12 pounds, something along those lines, maybe even more. I, for some reason, I think 16, I might be wrong, but anywhere from a wide range of 8 to 16 pounds he lost. And he just absolutely crushed his conditioning test come mini camp and training camp. And it was just absurd. But then we came to find out that's why. But he was on the wrong plan, but it worked out, you know? And it's really starting to <laughs> work out. Like, it's one of those funny stories, but it gives you a laugh. But it also was like, oh shit. It just made him even more of a diamond in the rough, you know? And we, now we're even more excited for him. So that's been good to see. Um, Javon Dexter, he was one of my favorite picks. Honestly, he was a lot of my picks. Shit, honestly, all of the Bears picks were my favorite picks. It was such a good draft, in my opinion. But he he was dominant today at practice. He was causing havoc, fighting through double teams. I, he even earned a sack today in practice, I believe, was the report. And like I said, it's it's still hard to read after just two games or two days of practice. But we knew the physical traits were there. That we knew the athletic athletic ability was there. It was just refining that raw talent, and it looks like he's miles above or miles ahead of schedule right now and already causing havoc which is really good to see Tyreek Stevenson like I said who I thought was going to be a for sure CB2 on the other side of Jalen Johnson he's he's getting some competition right now from Terrell Smith um, our fifth round pick out of Minnesota another rookie so we're going to have two rookies battling for that CB2 spot which I'm, I'm okay with because it just solidifies Tyler at that nickel spot and do I think Terrell Smith will be the guy? No. Now, do I hope he proves me wrong and he ends up being a great starter for us? Fuck yeah. Uh, but I, I really think Tyreek Stevenson will be the guy when it's all said and done. And we'll, he'll have his moments this year. His welcome to the NFL moments, as you will, like I did with Darnell Wright. But that's expected, especially at the corner position. You're going to be attacked a lot um, over and over again, especially by the better quarterbacks. I mean, we play Russell Wilson... Derek, not Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. We play all three of them this year, you know, and games like that, they're really going to attack, whether it's Terrell Smith, whether it's Tyreek Stevenson, they're really going to attack that side of the field. But like I said, Tyreek Stevenson, the few days in camp so far, you've only really heard his name when he's been getting burned or mossed or just getting cooked by DJ Moore or Darnell Mooney. But that's just, that's just due to the expectations that have been set with him coming in, being a second round pick, you know. But I, I really think he's he's going to be the starter, and I think he will be the right man, and I think he's going to live up to the expectations and perform well for us. But it's just been an interesting... It's added an interesting dynamic and storyline to the CB2 battle, for sure. Um, Zach Pickens drafted um, alongside Javon Dexter in that nose tackle position to play on the interior D-line. I haven't heard much about him. Um, Coach Eberflus praised him in the post-practice practice presser the other day um, he was causing the havoc in the backfield in the run game a little bit on Wednesday as well just like Dexter was so it's promising I like both of them both from the SEC both I think will be really good for our interior line um, Rojo as you will Roshan Johnson um, one of my honestly probably my favorite pick this year's draft um, he's been injured the last two days of camp but as far as OTAs and minicamp was going 
he he was really impressing and his pass blocking was one thing that was really turning heads as well and that's just going to sort of put him a little bit ahead on schedule as far as racing or battling for that running back number one spot but i'm really excited to see what he can do for us come preseason time if he is health, healthy but he has been reliable he has been good in camp so far tyler scott i've already touched on i think he's been the best rookie in camp noah sewell hasn't been too much going around about him he did have some good plays on wednesday where he blew up travis homer with um, some legal hard hits on back-to-back plays and he's just living up to that um living up to that rap he has on him coming out of college that he just has a very high motor non-stop sideline to sideline player and that's what we need you know a lot of speed a lot of energy just doesn't stop has that high motor and Jack Sanborn is injured right now, missing some time, and it's it's really working out to Noah Sewell's benefit, you know. And Terrell Smith, like I said, out of Minnesota, fifth-round pick. Didn't know much about him. I really didn't. But he's really been making a name for himself day in and day out in camp. Um, nobody's really said much about Travis Bell, Kennesaw State's first-ever NFL draft pick. I like him. Apparently, it's Ryan Pohl's favorite-ever human being, so we'll see what happens with that. And then Kendall Williamson, you haven't really heard much about him at all, so I don't think he's really going to work out. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't. Um, but before I move on to the next thing, I want to give out give a shout out to my man Bruce. He was a customer at my shop the other day, and uh, older gentleman um, getting some getting some supplies to clean his car. And he was telling me some stories. We we're having some conversation, and you know, I was giving him some exemplary customer service as I always do. And he he does home restoration work. He has been doing that his whole life. He actually was telling me some stories you know he he did uh some home restoration work for john gruden um some years back when he was parting his parting away from the tampa bay buccaneers at the time and he was telling me some stories about john gruden himself and he actually went golfing with john gruden at one time and you know he was saying that john gruden is just one of those guys that he has multiple personalities and he, you don't really go up to him you let him come up to you and start conversation and You'll be able to tell like what mood he's in by just his facial expression whenever he walks out of the house in the morning. Um, but he did say one thing about him is that he always had his notebook. He always had his football binder with him everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes. Every time he walked out of the house in the morning, he had it in his hands. And like I said, he went golfing with John Gruden as well. And, and even when he was golfing, he had his football binder and notebooks on the golf course and was looking at them in between holes and in between swings, you know. And that's just a cool story to hear, you know. And what I was getting at is, you know, we started talking and I told this Bruce gentleman that I was a Bears fan. And I think it was something along the lines of he just he, he got a bunch of old sports apparel somehow. And he had it in his truck. It was like Ohio State, Michigan's a bunch of college stuff and some old retro NFL gear. But he's like, I think I have a uh, Bears hoodie. And he walks out to his car, um, or his truck, if you will, and looks around for a few minutes, walks back in. And sure enough, he has this badass Chicago Bears pullover hoodie with a nice furry hood. And just hands it to me. I'm I'm like, bro, thank you. Or I didn't say bro, but I'm like, sir, thank you so fucking much. Like, you really didn't have to do this. I appreciate this. Like, I'm going to wear the hell out of this. This is nice. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Like... I was going to give it to my son-in-law, but he's not a Bears fan, so it would fit you better and give you more use. So I'm like, you know, it just it's things like that. Those interactions with people like that just really touch you and move you in a way and gives you a, a sense of hope, you know, that like there's really good people out there with all the negative shit 
and everything that's going on nowadays and people getting pinned against each other and this and that and all this censorship and cancel culture and I don't even want to get into it because it's pissing me off already but it's just good to see that and my my new job has been full of interactions like that and that's been the biggest blessing and the best part of it so far but before I get too off topic I just want to give a shout out to my man Bruce for that Bears hoodie once I mean it's summertime in Florida right now so definitely not going to be wearing it now but once the time comes I will be rocking the hell out of it um but going back to Roshan Johnson, I'm really I'm really curious to see what his role is going to be for the season. Like I said, he's he's missed the last two practices due to injury, which I'm not sure what that injury is. I'm not sure if it's been disclosed. However, don't get me wrong. I love Khalil Herbert. I love Deontay Foreman. Our running back room is loaded. It's stout. We have everything you want, everything you need, and. But that's the thing. I, I really don't know where Roshan Johnson is going to end up fitting. But I'm really curious to see if he fights for that number one running back role. But at the same time, he split carries with Bijan Robinson at Texas his whole career pretty much. And that's what he's known for. And I think, you know, they might sort of leverage, the Bears might leverage that. to Lou Getsy might leverage that to their own advantage and keep it like that, you know. And that's that might be where Roshan succeeds the most. But you know that Roshan's a competitor. He's striving for greatness. He wants that RB1 role, and he doesn't want to split carries just like he did in college. He's going to be wanting to get out of that, you know. So if he has a say in it, that's not going to be the case. And he wants to be a leader for this Bears offense. You know, he's already come out and said that. And I think he has all the make, all the looks for all that and then some. But I'm going to be curious to see because I really do like Khalil Herbert a lot, a lot, a lot. And... I think he could be an, a running back one, but at the same time, can he really be that every down back? Once I looked at it realistically and logically, I'm not sure, especially on third down. And that's where I think Roshan and Deontay Foreman, as far as Deontay Foreman, as far as the power back role, and Roshan being that third down um, pass blocking or pass catching back. But he can also be a really good downhill runner. He's one big motherfucker as well. Um, Darnell Wright, I wanted to touch on him some more. You know, number or first overall pick. At number nine, he's going to be protecting Justin Fields' right side. And like I said, we know that athleticism's there. We know that strength is there. It's just all about refining that raw talent. And I, I'm really, I'm really sure that it's going to happen and work out for us. You know, look at Tevin Jenkins. There was a lot of right away when we drafted him. It, it was a, some people viewed it as a very good pick. But then also right away once camp started and throughout that offseason people were like oh shit you know there was some concerns some injury concerns he wasn't really getting play time and people think oh is he gonna be a bust um he's moved positions now and he was one of the highest graded guards in all the football last season i think the top three top four rated left guard in all the football he's a beast so he's f turning out well and i think that just goes to show with the development and the coaching and the training that um is being implemented from ryan poles taking over as gm you know from the top all the way to the bottom you know he was a Ryan Poles was an offensive lineman. He actually got uh, signed by the Bears as an undrafted free agent in his football career, you know. Ended up getting cut before the season, but he was an offensive lineman. He start, he comes from the trenches, so he really, I'm sure he really spends a lot of time and effort into not only just the relationships with the offensive lineman and the guys in the trenches, but also the development and the coaching and training with them as well. So... You know, if there's a if there's a theme in that, there's just a very bright fucking future in Chicago. 
you know, whether it's at Soldier Field, whether it's at uh, Arlington Heights, wherever it's at, there's a very, very bright future. Um, but then I, uh, I got the I got to witness uh, Matt Eberflus's press conference. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday is after after practice. I think it was Tuesday. And he, he, he touched on a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting things. He touched on a lot of interesting information I gathered. Um, one of them being Jaquan Brisker. Like I said earlier, I think he's really going to be one of the foundational pieces on this Bears defense for years and years and years to come. And I think Matt Eberflus feels the same way. Um, quote and saying that he's he's our guy. You know, he's he's excited to see him play daily. Unquote. That came from Eberflus's mouth about Jaquan Brisker after he's making play after play after play. You know. And he even touched on Tevin Jenkins' move to offensive guard and the growth and the process that he's taken and how it hasn't been an easy one and it's been a, a very patient one, but also a humbling one and a very good one for Tevin Jenkins. And we've seen it, you know, sort of work on the field. Like I said, he was graded, I think, top three left guard in all of NFL last season. Then, obviously, we got to touch on Justin Fields as well. His improvement on situational football has been good. You know, like I said, all, the offense as a whole – has been lacking and Fields has been trying to step up as a leader and rally the troops and get them to turn it around but as far as making reads and progressing through his reads and his looks um, in the middle of a play in the situational moments like two minute drills and whatnot there's been improvement I'm not gonna say it's been great or uh, he's the best now and there's nothing to worry about I'm just saying it's improvement this came from Eva Flus's mouth um, there's been improvement, and we've been seeing it, and it's really good to see. And it just goes to show that Justin Fields is so fucking dedicated to his craft and being the best that he can be. And he's so humble, too, and he knows it. But he also knows how fucking good he is. And another thing that he even touched on is, you know, the added talent. You know, that's been the main moral of the story all offseason um, around Justin Fields ever since before and after we got T.J. Moore. Um, you know, but now we've added all the talent around him, and it's going to be up to Fields to show what he can do. We've already touched on this; we know this. But Eva Flus touched on this as well, and he addressed it. Yeah, we got the talent we need to put around him, and he's starting to make use of it. You know, and Justin Fields is really flourishing and taking advantage of the talent that's been put around him. He's throwing the ball to DJ Moore. He's throwing the ball to Cole Komet. He's throwing the ball to Chase Claypool. Even Chase Claypool, like I said earlier on, he's He's been a bright spot of camp as well, which is really, really good. And I love to see that because he's been getting a lot of hate and a lot of criticism lately, which some of it is warranted. Um, but that chemistry with Fields seems to be growing fast and under the radar. Um, but he's benefiting very well with all the weapons at his disposal. And you like to see that because that's what you'd expect, you know. Um, but another thing that Fields is really working on and it's aiding in his development and his situational football and making his reads and progressing through the looks on defense is working on his rhythm his rhythm his rhythm his rhythm and his timing you know that's one thing that was really big with Luke Getze and and working with Aaron Rodgers for so many years and that's one thing that I feel like Getze and Eva Flus and Fields have all been on the same page with now and that's what has really been the biggest benefit to Fields' development that Eva Flus has been touching on um, another positive note on Javon, on Javon Dexter as well. Iberflus touched on his just overall work ethic and his dedication to being better and being the best that he can be and how every play he's just given 110%. And that's what we like to fucking see. And that's just that Florida Gator, Florida Gator SEC smash mouth football. 
and like I already touched on, he has the raw ability, he has the talent. It's just refining it and making it work on the NFL football field. And he even addressed, quoted, very impressed with the maturity with Tyler Scott as well, Eberflus did, unquote, and he's right on the track with where he's supposed to be. Um, then he also, going back to the cornerback two battle that I was touching on, Eberflus also did say that it is up for grabs. Um, and it's not Tyree Stevenson's, it's nobody's position right now, it's up for grabs. He was touching on Terrell Smith and how good he's looked and how there's a really there's really a battle going on right there between Stevenson and Terrell Smith. So, you know, it's, it's good to see our coaches involved with everything that's going on and everything that he did touch on was a positive outlook, very positive. There is not much negative to take away from it at all. And I really, I really did, I did like that a lot, you know. And it just goes with the overall theme. Like this whole offseason from start to finish has just been very positive and very promising for the Bears. And I'm, I'm glad to see it continue. And to, to sort of cap it off, one thing I'm going to touch on, Colin Cowherd, bro, just retire. Do everybody a favor and retire. You know, I, I had to shade the, the CBS Sports Journalist in the first episode of this Windy City Report series for the fucking asinine head coach ranking list that he put out so not only did i have to do that i had to do this to colin cowherd as well because he said justin field is more of a bust than he is a star in the national football league which is just one of the most uneducated asinine arrogant statements that you could make and you know i'm not surprised because he's been doing this his whole career he's made his career of just making uneducated takes you know, there's so many videos out there. It's embarrassing. You know, he's still doing his thing. He's a professional. He's made millions. He's rich. He's on TV. He's famous. I'm not, you know. But it doesn't mean that you still make dumbass fucking statements and you shouldn't be on TV because of it. Um, you know, so I just had to give you some shit for that as well. But this is B. Meyer from Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And fucking Yannick and Gokwe is a Chicago Bear. Bear down, baby. Until next time, y'all have a good one and be safe. Peace.